Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this very, very, very special edition of the Astrology Hub podcast. This is a Yuletide chat with Anne Ortley and Rick Levine, the two astrologers who have been just these, I, there's two words, there's anchors throughout for our community this year, but then there's also Lighthouse. They've both acted as these lighthouses for us, just reminding us of the astrological context, um, reminding us to uh, accept the invitation from the universe as we've gone through this year. And I am so grateful for both of them. And I know that you are too. It has been so fun to receive the um, just inpouring of gratitude from all of you for Ann and Rick. And I posted something in the inner circle, um, soliciting some questions for you both. Mm -hmm. And along with lots of awesome questions, we also got tons and tons and tons of gratitude. So thanks to you both for the role that you've played. I mean, it's really, it's been invaluable for all of us. Thank you. Good. I can't speak for Ann, but I can say it's been my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Had a lot of fun. I think that's what pleasure is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Pleasure's fun. Well, pleasure's if it's not a lot of fun, then it, uh, never mind. <laughs> All right. It can, fun. it can be fun. Yeah. No, I've had a lot of fun too. It's like a good thing. It's and good I think, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, I found it very helpful, uh, you know, your questions going, so like, can you do that in English? You did it in a very nice way. And it was very helpful for me to kind of, you know, focus how to explain what's going on because there's been such a big year, you know? Yeah, it's been never, a huge year. Never lived through anything like this in our lifetimes and I don't think we ever will. I, I mean, maybe in another lifetime, but not this one. Mm. No. Yeah. yeah. So do you two, you two know each other, right? You've met in person? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, several times, many times. Many and times. actually we had the privilege of working very closely together in a small group of five people for three full days doing very intense um, astrological processing, working with our own charts and our own counseling techniques and so on. So yeah, we, we know each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our first time on Zoom together though, I think. Yes, it is our first Zoom. Yeah, I met yeah, Rick. Be, be, gen- be, be gentle with me. <laughs> I knew who Rick was, because I have this thing, you know, when I go to astrology conferences, I always go, okay, like, who am I learn the most things from? So he's been an astrologer a lot longer than I have. So I was kind of like this around him. And, uh, but then I was, you know, just loved his work. So we worked, I think the first time I really got to know you was the OPA conference in Asilomar. And, um, and that was good. That was really nice. And then we did another Opal workshop and we were, that was the, we were in the small group together, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. So and OPA, OPA <laughs> is the organization for professional astrology yeah. and it's a, 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 any, anybody inner circle or otherwise who is really interested in exploring astrology as a career path it's a technique and organization agnostic organization. It doesn't care who you are or where you come from or what you practice, but it's about how do you become a professional astrologer? What do you need to do to make it career? How do we act more professionally? What are the tools? What are those kinds of things? And so it's a very, it's an excellent organization. Yeah. Yeah. And so we worked in, we had a three day intensive, uh, 
together. And and Rick had me read him. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to read him. And then he was like, that was a really good reading. I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you. And they, and we had people watching and they were like, that was a good reading. I'm like, well, thank you. You know, yeah. Part of the process, part, part of the process, about. part of the process of this group is that in a very small group of five people, each person does a half hour reading on another person in the group with three people observing and critiquing and giving feedback, not on your technique, but on the, again, process. And so, yeah, it's a very powerful process. And, and I've done that um, either being the facilitator or the participant and facilitators actually participate. But I think I've done that now about eight or nine times over 15 years or so. It's a, it's an intense process. Nice. We learn a lot. Yeah. We definitely had some questions from the audience about the process of becoming a professional astrologer. So we can revisit that in a little bit. And or just, we can say we answered it. Well, we answered it. So so join OPA and go through the process. Yeah. Um, That's a great idea. So one of the uh so the the purpose or the intent of this is more of a um, intimate kind of like fireside or or Yuletide yeah. chat with you two. Um and less, a little less technical, because normally you two are, you know, teaching and guiding, and so it's going to be a little more um, just hanging fun. out. Fun. Yeah, just a pleasure, a, fun, right? Yeah, having a couple. So, exactly. So in that spirit, I have something that I would love to share. That's like it's 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 a minute long thing, and and um, every Christmas I can't wait to bring this out and share it with friends and. And so I would love to do that if that's appropriate now. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yes, and, please. And a, a little bit of background. Some of you, some some of the um, people here may know of the author, Neil Gaiman, um, who uh, wrote American Gods, which became, a you know, a, a, an HBO or an Amazon thing. And just a, a brilliant um, kind of, uh, um, what's the right word? Uh, a, a brilliant author who kind of is able to do very strange things in language. And um, a number of years ago, he said that every year around Christmas, he would get these amazing poems and photographs from friends that were just like, you know, and, and so one year he sat down to write something for Christmas and it turned into a 100 word short story. And it's 100 words, including the title. And just <laughs> as a, a, just as, as a comparison, I've probably already spoken 200 words describing this 100 word story that I'm going to read you. And the name of the story is Nicholas Was. Story about Santa. Two, two words used already. So there's 98 words following. <laughs> and, it goes, and, and it goes like this. It's just brilliant. Nicholas was older than sin and his beard could grow no whiter. He wanted to die. The dwarfish natives of the Arctic caverns did not speak his language, but conversed in their own twittering tongue, conducted incomprehensible rituals when they were not actually working in the factories. Once every year, they forced him, sobbing and protesting, into endless night. During the journey, he would stand near every child in the world, leave one of the dwarves' invisible gifts 
by its bedside. The children slept frozen in time. He envied Prometheus and Loki, Sisyphus and Judas. His punishment was harsher. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> kind of dark. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like 2020 to me. <laughs> it's well, this guy can write about a protagonist getting his arm chewed off by some horrific god somewhere, and, and you feels like you're reading Winnie the Pooh. I mean, oh, he does it in a way yeah. that is oh. that that yeah. Anyhow, that's Neil Gaiman, <laughs> but I it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what someone could do in a hundred words. Hundred words, yeah. I mean, that's an amazing. The endless night. It's kind of like yeah. Ho ho ho. All right, I'm back. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us the kind of disturbing and dark uh, Christmas no, story. No, remember in the whatever that thing was you have with the people gathering. One of them said you have to invite the mean witch to the party. Oh yeah, That's the bad the witch. Bad we got to invite the bad witch to the party. All right, she's here. Wait a minute. I need I need a sip of my coffee. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to show them your your coffee mug? It's a it's an Aries mermaid. Oh, that's cool. I like that Aries mermaid. Very cool. Like Handmade that. on Maui. Handmade yeah. on Maui. Wow. Yes, there might be something coming your way, Anne. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't gotten it yet. You're on I the other side. Of the I live in New York. You know, things yeah. are thank, thank, thank you for life. the uh, for the coffee cup. <laughs> You're Love. so welcome. Great. All right. So Kelly is asking. Kelly Moran, I would love to hear their thoughts on keeping the well of hope full, not so much in general, but when we're in the dark, inky shadows. Okay. You go in. Well, I think hope is uh, Tinkerbell. I always think of Tinkerbell, right? And, uh, you know, Peter Pan goes, you know, you got to clap to keep her alive because you have to believe, you have to clap. And uh, so I would say clapping. What is that? What does clapping represent to you? And what does hope represent to you? It's an interesting word. Uh, interestingly, you know, I do YouTube. Like when I was a kid, I studied with music. So now I prep charts with YouTube. So Amal Clooney was on the other day getting interviewed. And, you know, and she does a lot of work. Uh, but she was being interviewed by someone about it. And, and she said, well, my name means hope. Apparently Amal means hope in Lebanese. And so I think... It, it is like looking for hope and what, what is the possibility and what, it, what brings you hope. Tinkerbell, it's clapping, believing in it. Got to believe in it. But there's something else about that clapping, and I love it because it dovetails into what I wanted to say, which is not going to be nearly as dark as it might sound. And that is that um, I have um, uh, Buddhist friends who, when they refer to hope, they call it the tyranny of hope. And it's because hope is actually placing a marker into the future, which is taking responsibility away from the present. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a place for hope, but the this 
is like it's like the um, minor birds in Huxley's book, The Island on this on this utopian island. The birds in all the trees would go here and now here and now. That's what they would instead of calling, they would go here and now. And the clapping is reminding us that as long as we're hoping things are better in the future, we're not doing anything in the present moment. And that is a, a, a negative piece of, of hope sitting around, you know, watching TV, you know, doing whatever your drugs of choice are, whatever it is, hoping that it's going to get better. You know, and so from that standpoint, I think that it, it has a lot to do with karma, too. Karma is not that what's happening now is a result of the past. Karma is what you're doing in the present moment has impact in the future. So, anyhow, good question. Thank you. I love that. I love the combo of that. So we can take the clapping and have it be here and now. 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 What are we going to do in the moment? Forget about the future. Not forget exactly. about it. It's. A, it, I think having that anchor in the future gives us motivation and inspiration. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just that we can't use it to take responsibility away from the moment. Yeah, we have right. to in the moment to make hope come back. Yeah. Okay, Vanina Grissoni is asking about any tips you have for making 2021 a turning point, individually and collectively. Well, it already is going to be one, um, hmm. because we have the new conjunction, you know, which happened from the geocentric point of view yesterday. From the heliocentric point of view, it happened November 2nd. Thank you, Mike Erlewine. If you guys don't follow Mike Erlewine, go follow him. He's like a really good astrologer. How do you how do you spell that last name? E R L E W I N E. And so he did a whole. He does a lot of stuff on Buddha and karma and all that stuff. But his astrology is really good. I remember <laughs> unpacking a computer at Michael Erlewine's home outside of Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. Michigan. I'm going to tell you the date in 1976. Mm -hmm. Unpacking a Commodore. Um, pet, which was like their answer to the Apple II. It was a 1976 or 1977. And, um, and I've, I've known Michael for that long. Yeah. 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 He's a brilliant astrologer, but he does heliocentric. And so he said, Sun and Jupiter were in a heliocentric because we look at the world geocentric, right? Astrology is geo from our perspective on Earth. Um, tropical is where the face of the sun is on earth, right? So it affects our growing systems is why we pay attention to it. But geocentric, the whole solar system has a whole other relationship. So he said the geocentric conjunction happened on December, on November. The heliocentric. The heliocentric. Yeah. The heli we had the geocentric yesterday. So the heliocentric happened November 2nd. And again, it's a big anniversary. It happens once every 800 years. It hasn't been this close, you know, it's foreign. I mean, it was like all these different numbers out there. A long, long time since it happened the last time, but they line up and they affect the sun's gravitational pull because they're the big guys lining up, like lined up kind of like a, almost like an eclipse, for lack of a better word. So there was a huge pull then and we're still feeling and then we had our version here. So hey, I Amanda, last week you asked me when the last time a uh, Jupiter Saturn conjunction occurred on the solstice. Yes. And I said that I would get into I would I would look at it. Yes. Well, I, I found out two things. Number one is that um, going back 2,500 years, it did not ever occur on the solstice. Wow. That's number one. Number okay. two, because of its association with the star of Bethlehem, the Christmas star, I also then 
looked and to see when when it was last um, so close to Christmas or Christmas Eve. And the fact of the matter is the last time that the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction occurred close to Christmas at all was on December 24th, Christmas Eve, in the year 868, so about 12, 1300 years ago. And it actually did also within the lifetime of the historical Jesus, and that occurred in the year 14 AD, and that was on Boxing Day. Now, of course, then they did have they did not have either Christmas or Boxing Day, but th those that answers the question of of again we're talking about the rarity of this. Of this. Um, so that adds to it. So 2,500 years, but then we still don't know when, if ever, it has happened at the winter solstice. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm sure it has. I just when we go back beyond that, who you know, who cares? Right. <laughs> and, okay. and and the Christmas star, the Jesus star, was Saturn and Pluto, Saturn and Jupiter and Mars and Pisces, and I think it was either six or seven BC. What they were they were gathered in like a little tight chunk. Well, it was actually a triple conjunction and occurred on March um, May 29th, seven BC. September 30th, 7 BC, and December 5th, 7 BC. So it was like uh, a three times pass, which is rare for this conjunction, but it does seem to happen, oh, roughly maybe once every couple hundred years, there's a triple conjunction. Um, wow. So the Jupiter, Jupiter Saturn met up three times. Right. Like, like, like the, like the uh, Jupiter Pluto did this year. Right. But with Jupiter Saturn, it's less common for them to do that. Um, they met up three times, though. Um, the last time they met up three times was in 1980 at the, you know, at, at the true air mutation, because that was the mutation of really when it first happened in air. It was in Libra. Everyone's yelling, this is the grand mutation. This is the grand mutation. This is the confirmation of the grand mutation. It had a little burp, and then it went back to Capricorn. As it does, as it does every time. Every time, right? It does have a little burp, yeah. And when do they normally count it as the official grand mutation? The first time, it, or it, it it varies, and we need to define who they are. Right. <laughs> it's like you know, astrologers argue over weird things, and this is one of those. You know, it's like right. it did mutate in Libra. I had somebody write me a flame. I said, I know it mutated. Like, get over yourself. Now we got a couple hundred years of straight. You know, to my mind, it's like we did air, we did a little Saturn again with a little Earth again. Now we're back in air. Now we're in air for 200 years. Leave me alone. Well, but actually, actually, we're not in air for 200 years because um, what what happens is that the first uh, tweak into water is um, uh, actually. Now, this is really interesting because I did note this, but I forgot. It's again on um, um, on the solstice. In 2159. Wow. In 2159, there's a Jupiter Saturn conjunction at seven at eight degrees of Scorpio on December 20th. Close to the solstice. So that it's within a day, one way or another. Um, but that's in Scorpio, and that's in 130 years. Wow. So this whole thing of 200 years is another piece of. You know, the facts get yeah. turned into bullshit pretty quickly when people don't do the digging. <clears throat> and yes, it's about a 200 year cycle. But when you add the slop, you know, of this regression, it's not a retrogradation, but it regresses into the previous element and then back forward. It's only 130 years of air. Mm. 
Uh, I well, feel but like if we- you're counting the 40 years before, it's 170 years. Exactly. And if you're counting the 30 years after that, I'm, again, I, okay. but I'm saying that right, people are saying, oh, now it's an air for 200 years. No, now it's an air for 130 years. And anyhow, we don't want to get technical today. We want to stay by the burning. <laughs> but this is what astrologers do on Saturday night when they don't have a date. I just want to. <laughs> We're happening to do this on a, what's it, Tuesday night. But this is what astrology, you know, and you get into this, you know, like my old, my first astrology. And when you're home on a Saturday night and you don't have anything to do. This is something you might add to your list, right? Wait, so, conversations like this actually light light us up. They, Woo! It's like <laughs> astrologers, astrologers talking nerd to each other. And, you know, nerd, awesome. nerd convention, nerd convention, you know. Totally. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you. Shirt, Anne? Did you huh? see his shirt light up? Look at his shirt. Do it again. Do what again? Do that thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. Did anybody else see that? Oh, yeah. There he goes. Okay. <laughs> So great. Okay. Okay. This does is he have lights under his shirt. Yeah, he does. I'm not he, telling. Somewhere in there. I don't know exactly where. Okay. This is a question from Daniel. And, and um, these are all from our inner circle, inner circle members. So Daniel Charles is asking what personal astrological event in your life made the biggest impact on you? What my what we had as an astrology event that impacted us? No, you, like what transit that you personally went through, like had the biggest impact on your life that changed your life the most, and why? Well, I think we talking good or bad. <laughs> Either way, it's it's. I'm going to go with, go with the good. Uh, every twelve years, you have a Jupiter return, right? And so Jupiter to my Moon. Um, as I've gone back and looked at it, it has always been big. And the one that I had that was astrological was I happened to be on an island in Maine with a really brilliant astrologer named Wendy Ashley. And I was doing her mythic astrology course. And we went out on a houseboat in the middle of the night. We slept the night on the houseboat. So we're all lying there in our little sacks in the middle of like blackness because Maine is black. And we're like in an inner channel and we sat there and she told the stories of the constellations as they rose up over the horizon. And then the, the pilot had warned us at three o'clock in the morning, the tide was gonna shift. And so I'm like, all right, whatever that means. So when the three o'clock in the morning, the tide shift and the boat like spun, which, you know, was <laughs> very, so then you had to get up, move your sleeping bag to get back in position to watch her continue to tell the story of the constellations rising. And then we sailed in at sun, sunrise we all had breakfast and then we went to bed for the day and it was my understanding of stars as mythic storytellers and that as they watched the stars rise over the horizon they were the original motion pictures mm. and the mythology of the stars as they rose on that beautiful august night it was it was magical mm. so that was one of my more profound experiences and then before i was an astrologer jupiter because i looked back Jupiter on my moon, I was in Tanzania on the Great Plain, the great, looking at the Grand Rift, the Great Rift falls apart. I'm sitting there in my hotel room on the balcony and the Southern Cross and Tanzania, of course, is black as black too, no ambient light. The stars were absolutely stunning. And so that was like a cosmic religious experience with the, the Southern Cross up there because we're below the equator, we could see it. And, you know, we've just spent all this day with the, um, the pink birds, the flamingos and the rhinos. And then you're sitting there watching 
the heavens unfold. And I must have sat on that balcony till four in the morning watching the stars. And then, you know, 12 years later, I'm lying on a houseboat in Maine watching the stars. And mm-hmm. that, but then I had a meaning to them instead mm-hmm. of, you know, because I had become an astrologer in that 12 year increment. Mm-hmm. That was my most personally meaningful. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that my, I mean, there's several things that come to mind um, because like many astrologers, I've actually looked backward in my life and, and, and kind of know the uh, astrological landscape of some of the major events of, of my life. Um, and I have to say my Saturn return was incredibly potent and powerful. And because I have six planets in mid-cardinal every seven years when Saturn goes through mid-cardinal, whether it's going through Capricorn or Libra or Aries or Cancer, it's like <laughs> my life knows it. It's like I go to the cosmic chiropractor and get a, a complete you know, adjustment um, that alters the, the, the shape of the bones in my body. But the one event... I mean, you asked for an event, not a sequence, although Anne gave you a sequence. Well, she gave you an event, but two of them. The, 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 the event um, that stands out in my mind um, actually has to do with a trine. And I always say that, you know, trines are not, uh, they're not all that they're cut out to be because uh, trines sustain the status quo. You know, that oftentimes it's difficult to get action under a trine. Well, so I have four planets mid Aries and I have Pluto mid Leo. And this is going back to the early mid 80s. And I knew that Uranus was coming through Sagittarius. And I thought when Uranus hits mid Sagittarius, that'll actually hit my descendant, which is 15 Sagittarius and trine my Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars in mid Aries and trine my Pluto in mid Leo. I thought, wow. This is going to be really cool. Going to be big. <laughs> huh? Going to be big. Yeah. And um, within a couple of days of that exact transit, um, I was I was living in um, near Santa Monica at the time. Um, I was actually living in Mar Vista, a little kind of community up on the hill um, uh, above uh, kind of like Marina Del Rey, between Marina Del Rey and Santa Monica. And I was one of those people who every morning popped into my car, went down to the beach. Um, I skated about four or five miles and then had coffee on the beach, then came back and then went to work. And this particular day, I had skated out to the end of Venice Pier and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. And I took a deep breath, just feeling the gratitude. I was looking out at Catalina Island and I took a deep breath and I was struck by lightning. I mean, not real, I mean, not external lightning, but I fell. I mean, standing still. And I mean, and I was skating like five days a week. And there I was standing still and I fell and I blocked my fall with my hand and it was bleeding. I was actually supposed to go scuba diving the next day, but my hand was hurting so bad that I drove myself to the emergency room to see if I broke a bone in my hand. They gave me a tetanus shot and um, and uh, bandaged me up. And within four days, I had blood poisoning, the, the proverbial red line all the way up to my shoulder. And I ended up being in the hospital for 10 days. Other people have a near-death experience that lasts like 30 seconds or, or 15 minutes. Well, I kind of floated in and out for about four days. And it was, um, and it, 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 there's a much longer story, but it changed my life because 
at that time, I was working downtown LA running a computer operation. I had 20 people responsible to me. I had 12 salesmen and uh, eight technicians that were reporting to me. Um, and um, I was basically sustaining or contributing to uh, life in you know, Southern California, um, which is expensive. And, um, and I wasn't having a whole lot of fun. And, um, and basically this thing put me on what became four months of disability and my life fell apart and I could not because my hand and arm was bandaged and, and I could not use my right hand, which meant that I couldn't feed myself because I, my left hand is like, you know, doesn't work. Um, and, um, and I mean, I couldn't uh, shave and I couldn't zip up my pants and I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything, but the astrology boxes of books that were in my garage that I put away to live this other life began to come out. And I began to, um, kind of reclaim the poetry and the astrology and the whatever. And so it turns out that it was true to the imagery and it was Uranus. It was like being struck by lightning, um, but, but it was a trine. And so that's the, that's, that's the event that answers that question. <clears throat> so how do you explain that? We wouldn't have Rick today. Right. Well, exactly. I explain that as, uh, as Uranus's job is to release, <clears throat> release uh, built up stress. And in fact, in that process, my right hand, this joint, because I landed right here and they did a couple of operations right here, is that when I make a fist, that's my fist. Hmm. And when I straighten my hand, that's my hand. This hmm. finger, this joint is basically, and, and this joint then becomes my reminder of how I cannot suppress my... Um, left hand, right brain, astrology, whatever. Um, if I ever think about, you know, uh, taking the potential treat of the this corporate kind of existence can bring you a lot of security and a lot of money of which I've had those situations in my life. Um, I go, I can't do it. You mm. know, I got the lesson. And that's mm. your Jupiter finger. What's your Jupiter in? Uh, my, 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 my Jupiter is, um, are you ready for this? 29 degrees, 35 minutes of Capricorn. Anything going <laughs> on there? <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I'm I having a Jupiter Saturn. I'm having a Jupiter return and Saturn conjuncting my natal Jupiter as we speak. Wow. Wow. Okay. What's your experience of that, Rick? This. Yeah. <laughs> This this is my experience of that. Um, um, you know, just a lot of work that I've done for many years is kind of reaching um, a, a a level of um, fruition and acceptance that I'm very grateful for. Um, but it is definitely the good news <clears throat> of the Jupiter return and the hard work of the Saturn conjuncting the Jupiter. Mm. You know, there's a part of me that's ready to go. Yes, this is awesome. Oh shit. I got to do this. And then that, <laughs> and then this Saturn's not letting me get away with it easily. I feel like we're, we're bringing Saturn to you a little bit, aren't we? <laughs> and, Ju and Jupiter. And Jupiter. Yes. Cause we have astrology foundations level two coming up. So there's lots and lots of work for that. Okay. Um, well, and also, we started this stuff when Saturn was in Capricorn going into Aquarius, right? 
So Saturn went over its Jupiter at that moment. Yes, that's that right. That was back in March. That was in March. Yeah. Well, and that also means that your Jupiter and my sun are it does. exactly, exactly conjunct. You knew that. Yeah. Oh, yes. wow. And, and my Venus. Yes. Or, yes. Wow. Very interesting. All right. Um, Carolyn is asking, uh, curious about the drums Anne has on her wall. Oh, yeah, the drums. Well, there's a few more besides those. Those are the ones you can see. Uh, 1994, right before I found astrology, um, at the end of a 14 and a half year relationship that ended badly because he met somebody else and ran off with all that story. And didn't uh, she have like the same chart as you or something? The he guy? Born, he was born in my prenatal eclipse. You know, oh, okay, okay. Past life guy. Um, yeah, so I had, I went to a birthday party for a friend and, um, she was a new friend because when people leave, you get new people in kind of thing. And she had bongo drums and we drummed at her birthday party. I'd never done that before, but boy, I liked the drumming. It was fun. And so then I kind of went on a drum journey. So I have a bongo drum. I have a dumbe. I have two uh, water drums, ocean drums. I have uh, Rick. You can see the, the middle one is a Rick. Um, they're all frame drums. They're all hand drums. Um, you know, and then I have a couple bong, bong, bong guys. So I have uh, seven drums in here. And um, I've been in drumming circles, love drumming, and didn't know I loved drumming until I went to that birthday party for a Sagittarius on my midheaven. Or her, she's, her son was on my midheaven, or is on my midheaven. And it opened up a, who knew I loved drumming? So, yeah. Nice. It's fun. Awesome. Okay. Maybe someday you, you can drum for us. I love to bring my drums places. Nice. Okay. I'd play, right. the, I'd play the flute. Oh, drums and flute. Drums and flute. We have a half hour orchestra. <laughs> there we go. He does bring his flute places because we were in the Silomar and we're sitting by a fire pit and he's playing his flute. Right? That That is not a half of an orchestra. That is a full orchestra. <laughs> and um, here's here's one of my favorite flutes. Wow, that's beautiful. And, uh, it's so awesome. Rick, we have to figure out how to find a mic that will capture the sound when we're doing stuff like that. But it's we got we got a taste of it. Beautiful. We'll just have to get together in person. I think that's the answer to that. Okay. Um Kate Ebison is wondering, can you give us a few key words to describe 2021? Welcome. <laughs> um, back to 99, 2000, whatever the structures you thought were stable then, now they're changing into something else. But they were planted in 99, 2000 when Saturn and Uranus were in the same signs, but reversed. So it's an opportunity for us to look at our structures and decide where they want to change. The structures we built in 99, 2000. Hmm. So it's a real year of, I, I, I'm like excited. The Renaissance always happens after the pandemic. It's a Renaissance year. So it's like, where do you want to, where do you want to go and have fun? Where do you want to experience your joy and your change? Like what joy and change do you need after sitting going through the pandemic for a year. Got you clear. I, I, I like, I like what Anne is saying, but I'm not convinced that 
we're going to get through 2021 without dealing with my my buzzword or slogan motto or whatever for 2021, you know, is old versus new. And it's basically the square between, you know, we, we've been in this this Capricornian, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Pluto, South Node, Capricorn, 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 Capricorn. And now everyone's going, yay, Aquarius, but Aquarius is square Uranus in Taurus. And so we have this kind of thing of Uranus and Taurus wanting revolution and change. But in Taurus, it's like, no, but I don't want to give up my good sheets and my, you know, nice bottle of wine for dinner. And then Saturn and Aquarius are saying, yes, but there's real structures that we need to work for. And so there's this kind of old versus new thing going on. Uh, 2021 is not a get out of jail free card, but it is a get out of jail card. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to have to pay for it along the way. Right. And then the other part is remember, <laughs> right here right now yeah right well now. i mean yeah because it's not it is a very right here right now and totally uh you know we we have this you know we get all excited you know i, I have that a lot with my students like oh my god i'm like well, let's just see what happens remember because it's an initiating energy so it's a you know it's starting the square in february but then there's another one in june then there's another one in december so it's a whole year and then the following September, <laughs> they come back within a half a degree of each other again. Right. And so I don't I'm not we're not even going to be done with this until until 2023. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you say this, do you there's the yeah. Uranus? Right. You, you, yeah, go ahead. Right. And and are you seeing a, a different storyline emerge than the one that we've been in? Or is it a continuation of the one we've been in or both? See, see, both of the above. Okay. So yeah. continuation and new. a morphing somehow, like some new new elements added to the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So back in 88, Saturn and Neptune and Uranus met. So they seeded the cycle that's having its closing square, which is the psychological integration of everything that's gone on in your life since 88 when they met, which of course was when the Berlin Wall fell and, and you know, all the changes. Actually, I would say 88 through 94, because that was when the uh, Uranus actually caught up with Neptune. Right. So then we had them come to Neptune and Neptune got in the mix too. But the, but Saturn, you know, Saturn with these guys kind of said, okay, let's, we see the story then. And remember they roll into each other. They're not like, it's like an ocean. There's not like an initial point. But so this year has been all about the Saturn, uh, the Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter hanging out. Now Jupiter and Saturn have run off together to go have a good time. But Saturn's going, but I'm going to go play with Uranus too. And, but Uranus is saying, you remember what we did back in 88? And Jupiter's like, you leaving me out? So it's, it's like one of those kind of things. And so it's a change. And to the point of boom, boom, boom. And then we get to September next year where we go, Oh, that's what it was for September of 2020. But it's it's a journey. That 2021 or 2020? 2022. Yeah. Okay. So we have three direct conjunctions in this year, February 17th, June something, and December 24th. Squares, not conjunctions. Squares, squares yeah. But they feed back to the conjunction that happened in 88 yep. through 94 but 88 is specifically, again, they start something and then they unfold over time. But these two guys specifically were in the same signs about the same degrees in 99 to 2000 in the opening square, which is take 
action around what you became conscious of in 88 and now psychologically integrate what you began in 99, 2000. But that's also when the last Jupiter-Saturn conjunction happened in Taurus. So whatever you built in 2000 based on this idea, I'm going to take action to build it. Now the universe comes back and goes, so how'd it go? You ready for the next 20 years? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what? Another 20 years? Oh, what do we, well, yeah, I guess. So it's like, a, it's like an interesting echo. So thinking but 99 to 2000 because the planets are back. At that time, Saturn was in Taurus. Uranus was in Aquarius. But now they've switched roles. So they're, they're arguing the point from a different structure. So it's like somebody that sobers up after, you no, know, or stops smoking after smoking and they become like, and you're like, well, you used to smoke. I don't anymore. It's a little bit of a reformist energy too. So but it also, but what Anne's saying is also about extending things into a longer vision. Uh, last night I held a solstice, a Zoom based solstice celebration ceremony party for um, for my Patreon uh, subscribers. We had a lot of fun, but one of the things we did was when we went into the ceremony part, we actually did a meditation and then a silent intention setting, but it was instead, normally we look back at every new moon. What did we do last month? What worked? What didn't work? What intentions do we want to make for next month? Mm-hmm. What we did last night was, so how would you take the lessons, Saturn, from the past decade? Go back 10 years, because that was the full moon. That was the full Jupiter to Saturn. Mm. And, and look back 10 years, and what were the lessons that you learned and, 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 and how you were assimilating them? And now project forward, not for a week or a month or, or a year, but think a, dec- a decade, 10 years in advance to the next opposition. And and you can't think in actual mm, detailed pragmatic things. You have to go to conceptualization. Yeah. And and yet it's that it's that that long term view that Anne was taking that I think is very important when we look at these kinds of things. We get hung up in the details and the Virgo ness of what sign is it in and what what house is it, how is it going to affect me. Set that stuff aside. Go for the global thinking and then go to apply it in, you know, in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, so and then bring it down. Yeah, right. Right. And in the big picture, it like I like what you're saying there, too, because it's focusing on the qualities and the the feel of the thing versus the specific details and having a, you know, a 10 year business plan or something. It's not like that. It's, yeah, much- yeah, it, it's not going to be at that level. It's right. more, more, you think of more visionary because it's Jupiter and Saturn. It's the, they're going to teach you what the story is. Yeah. So, yeah. So what yeah. I, did, oh, I, know I, I went back, you know, I did a um, thing with some friends last night. We had, we went out to watch the Jupiter Saturn, which of course we didn't see, but because it was cloudy here, but then we went back and you know, it's five of us. We, we kind of travel together and they're all pretty adept astrologers. And so, um, we all talked, we went back and looked at our lives, different chapters as the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction happened, mm-hmm. and then where it was happening next. You know, so we, each of us, we'd known each other for a while, so everybody kind of went, well, this one was here, and this one was there, and this one was here, and so I hope that this next 20 years will be this, right? And so we had one that's a baby, she isn't even 40 yet, so she only had one, and then we've got one that's 75, and she's had a few of them. So, 
we all were able to kind of look at our, the chapters in our lives and what had happened on them and then kind of say, okay, now my focus is this, but you know, where are the planets going to take me? That part we don't always know. Right. But we do know where we came from. Right. Right. You know, so in my case, looking at this 2000, I was done being corporate girl, wanting to be an astrologer full time. It was breaking up the Y2K stuff with Pepsi. We'd finished all the conversions and I'm like, I want to be an astrologer. And I'm like, all right. And then I know this is coming. So then when you called and said, hey, bub up. And I said, well, why don't we do a group thing? And that was my invitation. That was Saturn coming to me and saying, hey, how about group stuff, Anne? Rather mm-hmm. than one-on-one, nothing wrong with the one-on-one, but group. So I'm like, all right, Jupiter, Jupiter, Saturn group. I get it. I'm on it. And it's in my house of helping da- people work with their daily lives. Jupiter, Saturn. So, and it's in my house of karma, Jupiter, Saturn. Whereas the last one was in my house of third house. What am I going to do every day? How am I going to think? So it's important to look at where the conjunction happens in your chart. And then to go back at those earlier ones. The one before that was for Libra. Uh, and in that case, my boss said to me, I can pay you more if you're a salesperson rather than a tech. I'm like, okay. So I said, you're going to pay me to talk. He goes, yeah. Well, that's a good job. <laughs> You're going to pay me to talk to people. And then the one that happened before that um, was my dad starting to work, you know, and getting, we moved and a whole new friends and family and a whole life. So if I look back at the different cycles, they really have been important. You know, of course, as a five-year-old, it was my dad, right? So, so it's helpful to kind of look back and see yeah, your chart un- teaches you what you're supposed to do. As I, I think that's when Rick does big picture. It's like, we don't know. I mean, I just said I want to be an astrologer. I had no idea this would be what it re- turned into. I just followed the road, right? Follow the road. Follow exactly. The road. Yep. Okay. And, and the, ro- the road is made of yellow bricks. <laughs> yes. It makes it easy to follow. It's right. Follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> All right. Um, so Mitzi is interested to know how many hours a day, Rick, that you spend reading. He's like a walking library. And what's Anne's favorite new food discovery since you've officially been off the pasta? So Rick, we can start with you on uh, how many hours a day you spend reading. Oh, I'd much rather talk about food discoveries. <laughs> <laughs> it, it varies. I mean, these days I find that I do more reading online than I'd like to admit. Um, I don't own a TV and haven't for about 20 years. And it doesn't mean I can't waste time as good as anyone else. Um, but, um, but I do find that I go down these um, very long chain rabbit holes of research. Um, and I find myself lost in, you know, um, in academia.com reading esoteric papers on, you know, last night I spent about an hour and a half reading about Michael Maestlin, who was uh, Johannes Kepler's math teacher. Oh. <laughs> you know, wow. I mean, these are, these are important things. But, um, <laughs> you never um, know when you might need it in a cocktail conversation. Right? I just did. <laughs> or on a cosmic um, connection. Yeah. But, yeah. but. I don't spend as much time reading um, um, r- r- reading um, ink off of um, dead trees as I used to, um, but I do read some, um, and I unfortunately have more books now that are in piles to read that are unread than I've ever had before in my life, 
oddly enough, I have more time to read them, but, um, but that pile is, is, is growing. And so, you know, I don't, I, you know, I maybe spend an hour, two hours, you know, if that, um, but there are days when I don't ever even pull a book off the shelf, but, um, but I can get lost in, in a book pretty easily. Um, I just most recently, I'm looking for, it's um, yeah, right here. Um, I started reading this book before the, um, before the pandemic happened, and it's a book called Agency by William Gibson. And although I do read a lot of nonfiction, I love reading good fiction. And William Gibson, as you may know, is the man who coined the word cyberspace um, about 15 years before the internet happened. Wow. And, um, and he's also the person who's credited with um, beginning what's now a genre of science fiction writing called cyberpunk. And cyberpunk in Gibson's language is high tech, low life. <laughs> and this book agency is, is as brilliant as anything else I've ever read by him is his newest book. Um, and it's a bit of time distortion stuff going on in it. So I don't read just technical stuff, but I, I you know, so I, I know I evaded the question, but that's enough. No, about no, we, reading. we got it. The, the, I, the thing? I spend more time. I spend more time in the kitchen though these days than I do reading a book. And I love, you know, I love cooking things from scratch. Whether, you know, whether it's pizza from scratch or um, um, and 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 you'll love this. But for years, I've been fighting to find the um, non-dairy and non-gluten and non-grain pizza crust, and it's 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 elusive. I've tried everything. <laughs> Um, there's no such thing you can't it's not you know people go cauliflower crust I'm like sorry well, but but the it. but the typical cauliflower crust that you see recipes for and that I've tried all have parmesan cheese in it to make it crispy which is dairy so I mean I've done I've, I've done this whole thing but you know um, I love cooking because I love eating <laughs> your turn and um, I have been, uh, well, he answered my questions. I'm going to answer his too. So I've been experimenting with new things. Yesterday, I had this amazing piece of salmon on a little rice bar. It was really good. Um, and I made a huge pot of chili because, you know, the thing that pasta does for me is it's my, it's my drug, really. Uh, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I do pasta. And so uh, the doctor was on my butt about inflammatory, and so I've been really cooking anti-inflammatory foods, which is a whole new way of thinking. I got a couple of anti-inflammatory cookbooks and, you know, principles thereof. So, um, is what happens is I puff up and my leg, my foot opens up. So it's like right. I don't want that to happen anymore. Um, and then reading, I read. I have a big pile. Of books by my bed and magazines by my bed. And then I have I was probably about 20 books in my to be read pile, which I'm looking forward to next week. I have a week off and I'm just going to sit in my green chair and read. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. And again, I do the, I do the little whole thing with Rick, but I do YouTube holes, right? YouTube. Yeah. 
I turn on YouTube and it takes me. Places. Oh, I, I can too. And that's often part of it. I mean, I yeah. find an artist and I find myself, you know, reading his blog from when he was like nine years old or she yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's crazy what's available to us out there. It is. And, it, and you kind of think, oh, let me look that up. And it's there. And you're like, wow, what did we do without this before? We used to, it used to be a lot more work. So you get, I do find you get a lot of more incoming and then you're kind of like, uh, and then I file stuff. So I'll pop stuff out and they'll be like, how do you, I'm like, I don't know. I read it somewhere. It's like, yeah, you used to have to actually have to go to the library. I know. <laughs> now the libraries which, are online, right? Which was, I've spent a fair amount of the first part of my life mm-hmm. in libraries. I mean, that was like my, uh, even going back to my elementary school days, you know, the library was my home away from home. They knew me in the library. Hmm. Library and the pool hall. <laughs> nice. Have either Rick, have you ever cooked with a donabi? And I'm probably not pronouncing it right. The the Japanese clay pot. Have you ever no, seen that? I never have. Okay. That well, was, I'm I'm easy. exploring it because I think it could be good for all of us. Um, I'll let you know. But it's I'm very inspired. Um Marie Kondo uh Marie Kondo, who we've talked about a little bit, she um she is talking about the benefits of the donabi and it's like a really, it, I'm inspired because it's it's a different way of cooking and it, there's a lot of intention and bringing, you know, sacredness to the act of cooking, which yeah. with my 12th house son makes it much more appealing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is, could get technical, but we don't need to. I, I mean, I think it'll just be hopefully quick, but Lu- Lucia is asking what aspects should we be looking at in relation to our natal charts and yesterday's grand conjunction, like any, any. Yeah, the question is, how does the the how how does that zero degree or the first degree of Aquarius? How does that fit into your natal chart? How does it fit into it by house location? How does it fit into it by aspect? And whatever the aspect is, conjunction, square, opposition, you know, sextile, um, quintile, septile, um, infantile, turnstile, you know, grand style. I don't care what what tile you use, um, but however it fits into the vibration of your chart, that's important. Midpoints, anyway, however it fits in, that's, that's the issue in my thinking. I would agree. And obviously, if it's a conjunction square or opposition, I mean, that's often where the action is. So, you know, those would stand out. Yeah, you would notice them more. But yeah, okay. I think it I think it really is, you know, it, it I think your chart is going to speak to how this transition wants you to evolve. So you want to also look at the natal Saturn Jupiter relationship. Yeah, I was going to just say yeah. that I was going to ask you. And so wouldn't you also look at what is Saturn doing in my chart natally? What is Jupiter doing in my chart natally? How do I normally work with Saturn and Jupiter? Is Saturn something in your chart that you integrate easily or is it a pain in the neck? Same with Jupiter. And then you look at this and then you have a better sense of how it impacts your own life. Right, right. And and if they like each other, great. If they don't, it doesn't matter. They're getting married. And then, you know, traditional rulers, Jupiter rules, Sagittarius and Pisces, Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius. So that whole section of your chart from Sagittarius to Pisces are being activated by these two guys getting married. They're the, they're the people that are coming to the wedding. 
So you're nine, you're, you know, not Sagittarian, you're Capricorn, you're Aquarian, your Pisces houses are all kind of having the party together. And, and interestingly, this conjunction is kind of in the middle of those two, those four houses. So, Anne, what's the aspect of your Jupiter and Saturn or is there? How, how do I, don't, they I don't have an aspect with they have a they have a quintile. They work well. They work well together. Yeah. And, and you, Amanda, do you know? No. One of you would know more than me. <laughs> um, be, because mine are quincunx partile, meaning that they're very my my Jupiter is at 29 degrees of Capricorn, which we already talked about. My Saturn is conjunct Regulus at 29 degrees of Leo. And so I have a Jupiter Saturn quincunx. And boy, I, I know how that works in my life. I mean, uh, for many years, for maybe about 10 years, I produced a newsletter for a company that had about 800 employees, a weekly newsletter, not astrology, but it was one of the things I did. And in those 10 years, I never missed, never missed a week, you know, a week. This is something I basically handled and I got delivered to the employees. Um, and the company was in Southern California. I was up in Washington. There was even a week of an earthquake when everything stopped and I figured out a way to make this happen. So there was, there's, and the same thing with like writing a daily for 20 years now, I've been writing a daily I've never missed. However, I have written more than one daily at five in the morning with a 6 a.m. deadline. And here's the Jupiter Saturn quincunx. And you've seen this in operation, even in our short professional life, Amanda. Um, I say our short professional life of, of working together. And that is, um, I do my best and most extraordinary work when I'm close to a deadline. And that's Jupiter. You know, I have this deadline on Thursday. It's Wednesday night. Friends come over and say, hey, let's go out. And instead of going, well, I can't, I got this deadline tomorrow. I go, okay. And I come back and it's four in the morning and I still have the deadline for eight o'clock and I do it. That it I mean, it's frustrating, but that's a quincunx. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Jupiter Saturn quincunx. And I, I can testify to that. I saw that when we were working at a Silomar and he would be like, okay, I got to go write my column. And we'd be like, like at 11, he'd go, yeah, I got deadline. And off he'd go to a little nightlight working over there. Yeah. It's incredible how, how well you do that though. I mean, there's some people that leave things to the last minute and then it's sloppy and incomplete. And, but you act, it, it's, it's extraordinary what you can produce under that amount of pressure. Unfortunately, reality has encouraged me to live this way. And it and it's not necessarily the healthiest way. I'd be the first to admit that, as anyone who's worked closely with me would also. Um, and, and, and yet, here I am. But you know, remember, in, you have to remember, this is where rulerships are important. It's Jupiter is in Capricorn, answering to his Saturn, right? Yeah. So his Saturn goes... Well, you want to have fun, you can do it, but you get back, you're going to have to do some work. And Jupiter goes, okay, Saturn, I got it. And so his Saturn gives him permission to go play as long as he promises to come back and do work. And he does. <laughs> it does. And that's, that's, that's the inconjunct too. It's Saturn goes, all right, you can go. Whoa, out. whoa, 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 whoa. No, no inconjunct. It's a quincunx. Quincunx. Yeah, well, an inconjunct an inconjunct is both a semi sextile and a 
quincunx. It's one of my pet things. I know all of us modern astrologers do it. This but is I one jump of on Rick, anyone who this does. This is one of the things Rick gets crazy about. It's an inconjunctor, 100, 100 and uh, whatever. 50, yes, that and that and this is the age of Aquarius. We've we've hit okay. another. We've had, hit another hot button with. <laughs> We are yeah, now I actually I actually have an IGT an Instagram TV thing going up later on the age of Aquarius. It's like nice. I've just had one too many people. You know, I just saw another one today of a very well-known astrologer uh, that the article was picked up by the media and how this is we've entered the age of Aquarius. And I'm not a violent person, but do something to this person. <laughs> we, we, we've witnessed this. Um, I did. And you and you know what? He is never wrong. I know. I, and that's the, that's thing. the other part is he comes in with stuff and you go, all right, I didn't do my or I had to pay it. You know, he's right. We know. Yes. He's right. I, just, uh, thank you for saying that. But it, but it's a little overstated. I've, I've been I've been wrong. I will be wrong again. I'm like, well, but I, th I feel like when there's things that are questionable. You won't be as strong. But when you're this strong, like you are about the age of Aquarius, it's like. <laughs> futile to argue with. Crazy. Well, the <laughs> thing is, the thing is, is that we know what an age is yeah. and we know about when this age of Pisces started. Now, having said that, we'll never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm willing to admit that. But when you're making statements, you, you start off with the facts that you know. Right. And the facts that you know are not my spiritual teacher told me that the age of Aquarius began on June 3rd, 1823. And that's, and I'm sure that that's true. That is not a fact. Well, right. it's a fact that maybe your spiritual teacher told you that. But the validity of the fact is not true. Yeah. Thank you. It's questionable, right? Um, it's, it's, we had a truth. It's not, you're not the, it's not the empirical truth. Yeah. Right. Well, we had a question on this topic Rick, is it possible? <laughs> is it possible the Aquarian age energies will be or are beginning to be felt in small, sweet, intermittent bursts, perhaps to support this time of roughing out how the collective chooses to utilize the coming ages astrological template as it sets over the next 150 ish years? Um, so I guess, yes. I guess, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I'm not an unreasonable. I'm not an unreasonable person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other part of it is the Piscean age is the age of fishes and oceans. And back then there were oceans that really were separating and people didn't even know they lived across the ocean. Right? So part of the entrance into the age of Aquarius will be the, necess the necessity of killing the oceans. <laughs> no, recognizing <laughs> we're all working on those little Aquarian airwaves and we can watch it. We can watch a traffic jam in Tokyo. Okay, by the way, yeah. Amanda, your yeah. Saturn at 29 degrees of Leo, mm -hmm. conjuncting my Saturn at 29 degrees of Leo, is sextile your Jupiter at 28 degrees of Gemini. So your Jupiter Saturn are in sextile, which would indicate someone who's expansiveness, openness, taking opportunities, and the following through of responsibility, contracting them and making them real, support one another. However, they are both mutually quincunx, not in conjunct, <laughs> your Sun-Venus conjunction at 29 degrees of Capricorn. So interestingly enough, my Saturn-Jupiter quincunx 
is your Saturn Sun Venus quincunx, same degree, same place, which would suggest that, and then the, your Jupiter also being quincunx, that Venus Sun, that would suggest that in some ways it's the hard work and the opportunities that you take to follow them that are always getting in the way of the very simple path that you would like to see toward making a life going toward the summit, summit being Capricorn of the mountain of pleasure. Can't do it, you got, can't do it today. I got to go to work. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that just describes my my college years perfectly. Yes. That's also why you live in the most beautiful place in the world, right? And or arguably one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes, yes. So you can work there and then go out into the nature. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. What do you do either of you have a question for each other? Is there anything you would want to know about the other person? So, Rick, when do you think the age of Aquarius is happening? <laughs> Actually, my answer will surprise you. <laughs> I believe that the age of Aquarius as a state of awareness mm-hmm. is a relative function, and it arrives to each person at a different time. Okay. And it doesn't matter what age you're actually living in, you can actually be attuned to a different age. And therefore, there are people on the planet who entered the age of Aquarius 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago. And there are people who will not get it in 100 or 200 years. And for that matter, may never get it. By the same token, there are people who are living today still in the age um, of Aries. You know, or what? And so, um, and so, the the whole thing is it's really relative. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. And even some and, still in the age of Taurus too. I would say, yeah. And and it, it that um, has definitely been proven by my own experience to be true. Like that's I can see that happening in my own life, and I don't know about all of you out there, but yes, that resonates a lot. Good question, Anne. <laughs> Rick, do you have a question? I've got him here. He's got to answer the question. Exactly. Yeah, it's so good. It's such an obvious I will, question. I, always, I, I, will always, ask it. I was going to say about Rick, one of the things that always is when he is passionate about something, he always has a reason for the passion. Yes. So whenever you see that little fire go up in him, you know you should inquire because he can enlighten you. Yes. So when I said quincunx in conjunct whatever wrong, I mean, I know that's why I went, oh, no, I know that's one of his things. <laughs> but, I, you know, but he did a brilliant lecture at some conference I attended where he did orbs. Mm-hmm. And he made me think about orbs in a whole new way. I'd never thought of them before. And, of course, that's like an area people fight about in astrology. But I'm like, but Rick's way is the best. Right? And then she went out and bought a camera and took pictures of people and watched their orbs. <laughs> <laughs> My question to you, Anne, is a whole lot less um, significant, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, than your question to me, but it's, um, what's for dinner? (laughs) I made a really good chili yesterday um, with a new, uh, tried a new recipe, a little bit too watery, but it was good. I decided, I'd ordered in chili, and I thought, you know, I could make this rather than ordering it. I need to go find a good chili recipe. So I went through a bunch of recipes and tried them, you know, out in my head. And then I picked one and I have to say, it's a hit. I like it a lot. I had it for dinner last night and I'm going to have it for dinner again tonight. Nice. And I added some stuff to it, you know, cause you can't just 
leave it yeah. by itself. So, but yeah, it's very oniony and it's very, I put some celery in and then I put in black and white pinto, I had white beans. I thought I had kidney beans. I didn't, but I had black beans and white beans. So it's black and white. It's kind of a very Aquarian looking chili because it's got multiple colored beans. In Eb it. Ebony and ivory. Ebony and ivory. And then it has uh, tomatoes. I chopped up, you know, and then, um, uh, and then of course hamburger, you know, so it, it really came out great. And then the that recipe you can, you, you can get, I, I, I get um, organic uh, ground Turkey, which is also really good in chili. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a hamburger in the freezer, so I got it out and defrosted it. So, but yeah, that is what I'm having when we, I almost had it before and I thought I'll drop it on my shirt. So I'm going to eat dinner <laughs> after, <laughs> after the Amanda Rick experience. So yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a question. Mm -hmm. What is the most significant lesson for you personally from 2020? I think it's been about accepting loss. I have Saturn and Scorpio. So I had a friend that died. My aunt died. My stepmother died. My cat died. My dad died last April. So we were finishing up his estate this year. And it made me really realize like what's life, you know? Um, so I've been having it through, it's a Saturn, my Saturn's in Scorpio in the eighth house. So it's been a lot of endings. Hmm. Plus the conjunctions taking place in my 12th house, which is a lot of endings, you know, but I know there's a birth coming because Saturn's going to go across the ascendant in a little bit. But right now it's been a focus on how do I acknowledge how important those endings were? So that I think has been my lesson in and a lot of a lot of you know endings like you can't go to the christmas party you can't go you know like i wonderful thing i do for the solstice can't do that because they're not do, they're doing a virtual you know it, it's just been very uh last lock last of all the cl the classes i taught in person which is mm -hmm. very eating dinner with people you know broadway i mean just the loss of everything mm. and the morning of it but also recognizing like it'll come back on some level because it does, but it's, it's just really that sadness, mm. uh, the endings of things. And I, you know, the Italian ladies always wear black for a year after somebody dies. And then of course, when they're old, they just wear black all the time. So I was like, should I just go get black clothes and wear black? No, I'm going to wear blue. I'm going to wear pink. It doesn't matter if everything dies, I'm still here. So that's, yeah. And then I had COVID, which made me think I was going to die. So yeah, it's been a year of endings, you know. Mm -hmm. And and what have you done to? You said um, acknowledging the grief. What have you done to acknowledge that grief? I've been having. I've been making myself go. Well, what do we? What do we do normally? We have a ceremony. We have a funeral. We have a whatever. We have something. So like today, you know, one of my friends mailed me a client friend kind of person uh, mailed me sunflowers uh, and Max used to love to eat the sunflowers and he would pull them out of the vase and rip their petals off. And I'd come out in the morning and there'd be like, depending on how much he hunted at night, there'd be like five. Max was your ex-husband. Max was my cat that died. <laughs> <laughs> he actually probably was a husband in a past life, but he would denude these things. You know, they'd be petals all over the floor, stems on the floor. So she mailed me a box in honor of Max and then his little box came in. So I have him sitting in front of his sunflowers. So he Aww. has a little, you know, he's, you know, yeah. So it's like, all right, like an honoring him of that. And I think that, I think that honoring piece 
uh, we forget how important it is to honor, you know, yes. the, the rituals and the laws. So for me, it's been a year of loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, new beginnings that have been fun. Like I've loved working with you. Um, I've had other things that have been really fun, but they're also, you know, I'm aware of the fact that they're taking place in a lost time or right. they're in a time of such big change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rick? I think my biggest takeaway or lesson from this year is um, that it doesn't matter how much we are in control of our lives, we're not. And it doesn't matter how much we think we know what's going on, we don't. And I'm saying that less from my own personal perspective, although I do feel that way from my own personal perspective, but I'm really saying that from looking at the people who one would assume are the people in power, are the people in control, are the people behind the people who are in control. And I think that this year, if anything, the lesson is that um, no one has a fucking clue anymore as to what's really going on, even those people who are in charge. And, um, And it's a kind of a strange place to be. It's almost like it's like we get a glimpse of this on some level at some point between adolescence and adulthood when we realize that our parents aren't home ever again, <laughs> you know, it's like, and yeah. and so we feel like we're in control and then we realize, well, maybe we still need a parent. Maybe we'll have to invent it and be our own parent. And I think we're in that state right now in between. I mean, this year for me has not been a tremendous amount of loss personally, although I've seen it. Um, uh, I mean, with with the exception of, um, I mean, I've canceled trips to, um, or let me say I either canceled trips or didn't book trips that I had scheduled um, to um, Indonesia, to Bali, to Thailand, to Costa Rica, to Europe, and around the United States. And at first it was like, oh my God. And then it was like, well, this is kind of cool. I don't have to go anywhere. I have a cancer moon. I, I don't have to go outside for another month or two. And so there's a part of me that's taken this as a moment of um, being able to take refuge um, and, 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 and a moment of, um, I say a moment, a year, you know, of, um, of, of not being required to be running around out there, which I've compensated for by doing a lot of running around in here. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I've been inactive, but, I, but it's certainly been, I think the lesson of the year is that we're not in control as much as we think we were and that big things, whether they're based on reality, um, someone's imagination, uh, someone pulling strings. Um, we can argue these things, whether we're living in some sort of computer simulation video game that someone else is playing. I don't have a clue, but I know that I don't control everything in my life as much as I think I do on a good day. Mm. Mm. Okay. Another question that I have looking forward to 2021. What are you looking forward to? I mean, what, what about 2021 has you in a, maybe a, well, yeah, just what are you looking forward to, if anything? 
astrology conferences where I can actually be hanging out with my tribe. And, um, you know, it's on my, in my chart, I have my sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and uh, North node all in the 11th house. And even though I get some group energy here on zoom and on YouTube and whatever, uh, which is wonderful. It does feed that part of me. Um, I miss being in physical presence of the people that I care about. Um, both individuals who I love and 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 the group consciousness that I love. Do you think we'll be able to in 2021? Are you feeling? Uh, you asked me what I was that? looking forward to. I don't know whether you know. Oh. I'm, not in, I'm not in control, member. I see. That's right. Okay. <laughs> don't know. The dream ahead, right? That's the vision. Yeah. 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 Um, what about you, Anne? I think I'm looking forward to um, a different perspective. Uh, that I think that I think is the biggest thing for me. I, I remember when this transition happened, you know, 29 years ago. So I'm kind of looking forward to what shows up. I think I, I'm very aware of, you know, it's like a pregnancy and like nine months pregnant and giving birth to something. So I have some ideas of what I'm giving birth to, but I'm also, it's kind of like when you're pregnant, you don't know what's coming out when, you know, baby's coming, but you don't understand the enormous <laughs> shift in your life. So I'm really looking forward to what this enormous shift is going to be in my own life and also in the world, because I do think it is it is going to have that. And I think it that part's fun. And I'm also looking forward to getting <laughs> to be, being able to leave my apartment and go do things again, which I do hope will happen. And uh, I have plans, too, for astrology. There's supposed to be a conference next summer, which hopefully will happen in person. There's others that are online, which are fine. And I like those. But. Um, and, you know, it's really, I really missed as an Aquarius rising, I really missed my community, uh, my friend community, my people I have dinner with, people I play with community. Yeah, so me too. Yeah. I have a little, a little place down the block that's um, where I did my monthly from for, for years called Soul Food, so called Soul Food Coffee, Soul Food Coffee House. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like the closest thing to a Cheers bar since I don't drink in bars. Um, you know, and, um, and, and I miss being able to almost any time of day or evening, uh, walk five minutes from my house and hang out with one or two or 20 friends that happen, might happen to be there. And I mean, that's just a local non-astrology community, but it's still community. It's the same thing that Anne's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That energy. I just miss it. I mean, I thought it was yeah. really funny. Jim, Jimmy Kimmel had a thing on, uh, he was, you know, we have the Yule log, right. You know. 10 hours of the Yule log burning on your computer or your TV. And so he did, what do we really need? And so he did a video of 10 hours of people touching. Aww. And so, it, and he actually is out there. It's like 10 hours and five minutes of people like touching and holding hands or kissing or holding arm. And I'm like, Oh wow. You know, like touching again. That would be so nice. Yeah. In that community piece where you just really realize how much, how important that is, you know, it's going to be amazing when we can all be together. Can you imagine like the built up anticipation of being able to hug and hold each other and all that? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that you want to share or with our community and everybody who's tuned in right now and who will be watching the recording later? Well, I just, I just feel like it's been a real honor and uh, joy. It's <laughs> um, it's been a real joy to do this every week. You know, I felt very blessed with it. I feel like it's been a real journey uh, on multiple levels, internally and externally. 
and certainly, you know, uh, working with, you know, working with you, Amanda, and working with Jamie, who's, who's the little black A on the bottom there, um, running this thing and, you know, and just your whole team and how honored I feel for that. And also just the, the love and the generosity and the spirit of the community that is astrology hug, you know, <laughs> and that energy of, I, I think on a bad day, it gives me hope for a dark world because it's all these people gathering together in a spirit of, we love astrology and we want, we want the highest and best version of astrology, you know, cause sometimes you get out there and some of the Facebook astrology groups and they get a little mean, you know, and uh, I have not ever found that in this space. You know, I, I found it being a very, like, where, where do we find the connection? Where do we find the joy? And I think, you know, you holding that, holding and creating that space, which having run groups, and I know Rick has, you know, it's, that's a challenge. It's like, how do we, and of course, you know, the group supports you when someone is, you know, not behaving well. Um, but it also is, it's really a, a joy to watch and a joy to be part of, you know, I think the group, the dynamic of the people and the heart, the heart spaces that the people here hold are huge, you know? So. Thank you. It, it, I mean, such Love a bright, yeah. yes, you too. And it's been the, the journey that I've gotten to have with each of you individually. You know, so we have what we do for the community and then just this, the connection that we have mm -hmm. you, with you and with you, Rick, it's, it's, I cherish it. It's like, it's so precious to me, the role that you both play in, in my life and in this community's life. It's, it makes me cry. I mean, it's just, it makes me cry too. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 there is this, this role that you're playing and I don't even know if you know how significant you are for us. Um, and talk about generosity. I mean, you, you, you both showed up. We had no plan, you know, was it? We weren't, oh, no, let's, wasn't, it wasn't let's, planned, let's sell, do your Saturn. Let's, yeah. Exactly. You know, let's, let's do a foundation class. None of that, you guys, we had no plan. It was like, they just wanted to be here to support you through this and to support us through this. And that to me is just, it is, it is so beautiful to witness and to receive and to be a part of. And it's been, and I've watched it just circulate, you know, that giving that you are doing it, it's, it's, it's created a momentum and an energy that is tangible. And I'm just, again, thank you for everything you just said, Anne. And it's just, I, you, it's just been so fun to do this with you. It's so fun. And every, I look forward to every Monday, I look forward to every Thursday with you, Rick. It's like, Yes, we get to do this. This is so fun. <laughs> we get to play. <laughs> we get to play. We get to play it. And everybody appreciates it so much. So it just makes it even better, you know? Um, yeah, so thank you. My turn? Yeah. <laughs> you know when girls share, Rick, it gets like... <laughs> no, girls, just... We're all crying here and like a little teary. I know what? Jamie's crying too, aren't you, Jamie? You just pop in and tell us you're crying too. Okay. I'll, I'll shut up now. <laughs> what Ann said. That's it. I mean, that's that's really it's it's the truth. It's been uh, a privilege, still is. Um, I'm 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 I have a great amount of gratitude for you know, for this community and for, you know, what, what you, Amanda, um, have spearheaded 
and continue to maintain. I mean, I get that it's not just you, but it is just you. I mean, at the same time. And, um, and for that, you know, I, I am certainly grateful. Um, I have a question for you. And then I have one other thing to say. My question is, I get you're in Hawaii and I get that it's warm out, but do you have doors or windows open or do you have a fan on? Because the poinsettia behind you, like my poinsettia behind me, they're, they're similar in as much as they're the same plant and they're the same color, but mine doesn't move and yours keeps going like this. Yes. This is a That's great my question. question. Yes. So I have these, these sliding uh, glass window doors over here that I have to keep open when we do these broadcasts because it gets so hot. And then I sit here sweating. So I have decided that it's okay that randomly my hair will be blowing or my flowers. Well, it's a nice effect if you can get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I do not sit here with a fan in my face. I just sit here with the doors open because otherwise it's just too hot. Mm -hmm. um, the only other thing I would like to add is that you may or may not know that a number of years ago um, um, when I actually had a little extra time on my hands, um, you, you know that, uh, you know, I, if I didn't have to make a living being an astrologer, I would be a poet. Yes. I mean, I, I love where, to me, uh, poetry is where music meets words, you know. Mm -hmm. And a number of years ago, I sat down and I rewrote um, a whole bunch of Christmas carols. Mm. And I'm going to make them available to you if you'd like to share them with the community. Oh, you know, and I, I do. don't. And I don't sing well, but I'm going to kind of half sing one of them only because it's so fitting. And so this is going to be a moment of vulnerability for me. And all of these, um, all of these um, uh, fractured or let's call them um, uh, cosmically connected Christmas carols um, are, um, are based on real ones. And this is to the tune of Oh Christmas Tree. <clears throat> and it goes... Oh, Jupiter, oh, Jupiter, how lovely are thy transits. Oh, Jupiter, oh, Jupiter, how lovely are thy transits. You make the worst seem okay. You make the hardest work seem play. Oh, Jupiter, oh, Jupiter, how lovely are thy transits. Oh. I like it. And then we have, oh, things like, oh, little oh, little town of Bethlehem, oh, retrograde of Mercury, how oddly the, and, and uh, you better watch out, you better not cry, Saturn's claws are coming around. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're all oh, done. Oh, this is great. Yes, please, please share. And uh, yes, we will deck share the with, charts with Deck the charts with trines and sextiles, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. No more squares or oppositions. <laughs> and then and then we have um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Pluto the Coldest Planet, had a very hidden side. And if you ever felt it, you would know how it applied. All of the other planets seemed so light and full of glee. When set next to deep, dark Pluto with his intense mystery, then one Saturn transit came, a burden came to stay. But Pluto with its trine so bright, Eid 
needs the pressure of that night than all the planets loved him and moved so rapidly. But Pluto, the deep, dark planet, kept its intense mystery. There's plenty of them. <laughs> oh, my God. That is brilliant. And again, what astrologers do on Saturday night. Exactly, exactly. No, I would never waste a Saturday night doing that. That's a Tuesday afternoon. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing those with us, Rick. And yes, that will be very fun to share with the group. And then I think we should all get together and sing. <laughs> That's what I'd like to do next. Well, Let for me. many years, um, the Washington State Astrology Association, the WSAA, which is one of the longest running state astrology groups in the country, um, I was the president of that organization mm, back in 92, 93, 94. Um, every year we had a Christmas party mm. and every year we, we, I would bring enough copies of these lyrics and pass out and we would sing as a group of, you know, one or two or three of them. That was like a, a regular thing of the WSAA Christmas parties. It's so great. And who, like, where else can we do this? Like, no one else would appreciate or understand or, or be as delighted by something like that as we are. Yeah. So, also, about 15 years ago, the Mountain Astrologer reprinted uh, um, a handful of these uh, in their December nice. issue. So they've been around, but never in this group. So I thought it would be fun to, to share. And Thank yes, you. I will send you an email uh, them. You can do with them whatever you choose. And the poem that you you yes. did for us last time, right? Um, that, that poem is also brilliant. And I really would love to read it to my daughters on Christmas Eve. You yeah. got it. Um, and you are a poet. Not the hundred word poem, the other one. No, 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 not that. No, this was, this, You're not this reading was, that to your kids at Christmas, Amanda. No, 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 no. This was, this was a solstice poem. Solstice poem, okay. Great. Yes, and, and, and uh, I, Rick, I like your poems the best. So I want to read those ones to my daughters. And you are a poet. I mean, you say if you were an astrologer, you'd be a poet, but you are. I know. But if I wasn't an astrologer, instead of writing a daily, you know, column for Instagram, I'd be writing a daily sonnet or, you know, or mm. basically putting that creative energy into mm. messing with words, which I love to do, even if I'm writing astrology, you know. Yes, you do. Yes. You two are so awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here for this little Yuletide chat. Thank you for being, like I said, the anchors in the lighthouse for us all year I long. don't know why, but it sounds better to be in a, a lighthouse than an anchor. There's I know. About, there's something about being an anchor that that like has, it, 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 like, it reminds me of Jimmy Hoffa. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be anchored. It's true. <laughs> Especially it's true. in cement underwater. It's true. <laughs> I know it's not very. But I know you're a Capricorn, so I, yeah. I forgive you. I, it's, I know it sounds good to you. It sounds good to me. Well, it sounds like what it is to me, yeah. but I agree with you. It's not as attractive as the lighthouse. Yeah. We'll and go. being anchored in safe harbor is a very yes. important thing. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. It, it's felt like a harbor for people and people can come into this safe haven and, and yeah. know that they're going to be held here. Yes. So understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, I didn't, I didn't do Jimmy off in the mind. I, you know, he's a darker guy than I am. That's all I can say. You know, <laughs> I think he, opens, he opens with his ho, 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 and he ends with, yeah, you're trying to bury me in concrete in the water. No, listen, I'm, I mean, just here not, to, Rick. I'm just here to remind you that at Christmas time, it's not just about hope of the future. It's about <laughs> confronting the shadow of the present and shining yeah. our light on it. And trying yes. to get it, yeah. That sounded oh. like it was meant to be real serious, but I, I would right. say let's think of it as scuba diving for buried treasure. 
Yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we were the ship. We were we were the we were the shipwreck. So <laughs> we showed you where the shipwreck was and how you could go down and hang out in Pluto's realm and be deep. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your wit. Thank you for just being who you are. And thank you for just shining who you are so bright that we all get to bask in it. And it's inspiring for each and every one of us to just continue stepping into who we are and what we have to give. So yeah. And Amanda, as great as it was hanging with you and is every week, it was a lot of fun hanging with Ann. Happy yes, holidays. this was and great. Nice, happy nice holidays. It was wonderful. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, Kwanzaa, solstice, whatever. Like it's the end of 2020. We're going into a five year, fives are years of change. Of people nice. often say to me, people often say to me, do you miss living in California? And my answer is not really, but I miss once a year not being able to say happy Hanukkah from Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> You could say it. I just did. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for being here. Thank you for the continual enthusiasm and support and encouragement. We People sometimes donate to the podcast, and every time it comes through, I'm just like, that's the coolest thing ever. Thank you. Just thank you for the outpouring. And thank you to all of our students and all of our Inner Circle members. If you're not an Inner Circle member yet, you still have... Uh, about 24 hours to join us. So we close enrollment on the 23rd, um, but we would love to have you in the inner circle. If you're a student who would like to learn consistently, rhythmically with a different astrologer every month, um, we'd love to have you in there. And if you love community, uh, that's astrologyhub.com slash IC21, astrologyhub.com slash IC as an inner circle 21. Um, but thank you all just for the continual support. And, and thanks for the mug. You're welcome. And so I'm glad to go down and check my mail room and see if it arrives. You know? Yes, yes. I didn't get you an Aries one, though. I, I, I figure it's probably a Virgo one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being. It's, there's something on the bottom. It says Wings of Hawaii. I just yes. held it up and didn't notice that. So Yes, that's, that's actually the store here in Paia on Maui that makes those and they're handmade and and i met the owner and the designer and they're so adorable and they were just thrilled because i walked in and i was like you have all this astrology stuff and and they they don't normally have it so they did this whole line of astrological wow. mermaids nice and i was like wow. well, I love mermaids. Yeah, exactly wonderful. like perfect we have hawaii and astrology in one gift this is perfect um <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, it was, it was definitely a Jupiter day for them when I walked into the store. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, and as always, thank you for making astrology a part of your life. We will catch you on the next episode tomorrow with Gemini Brett on part two of the Christmas mysteries.